Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Dwayne. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sammy. And we are kicking off another series. Guys, I mean, I know we're fans of series. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Narnia, Batman, Marvel. So, but we're going a little bit odd. We did Steven Spielberg last month, director. Now we're doing an actor. Jack Blackmouth, we're kicking off with Kung Fu Panda 2008. I, of course, that's where you go for Jack Black, right? Either here or Waterworld, right? <laughs> I was thinking a never ending story, but uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> never ending story three, actually. I always think high fidelity, but we've already talked about that one. So yeah, <laughs> that that is the first thing that pops in my head. Like, yeah, everybody's expect will be expecting high fidelity, but we've already done it. Yeah, we've yeah. already kind of done high fidelity. We've got some other uh, of his big swings coming up, and you know, uh-huh. being a family friendly show, we can't really do a tenacious D. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I took enough grief for my take on high fidelity that I don't ever want to revisit that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to go back there. Well, guys, talking about things we've you know, talked about in the past or things we might be getting into. Let's go ahead and move into our keeping it 100 section. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. Well, I get to talk a little bit more. I'm leading off this week. Let me get my timer going. As I was looking at the cast for this movie, uh, A couple actors. I mean, you've got some great names in here, but a couple actors, and one actor in particular leaped out to me. He's had a very long and prestigious movie career. In 1970, he made a little movie I like to call Forrest Gump 1.0. Little Big Man from 1970, directed by, um, I had the guy's name, Arthur Penn. You have Chief Dan George, Richard Mulligan, Faye Dunaway. And Dustin Hoffman, starring in Little Big Man. You have this guy, they were going across the plains in the 1800s, attacked by one group of Indians, him and his sister hiding out in the back of the wagon. A good group of Indians find them, and they take them and raise him as their own. He lives as an Indian until the Battle of Little Bighorn, where he's taken and reintegrated into society. So he has all of these little great moments in life, sort of like a... Forrest Gump did, but you know, he's, he's an Indian. He's a, a, a very religious person. He's seen some times as a gunfighter, a snake oil salesman. It's just a beautiful story. Uh, I, I don't even know where to go with the hilarity and stuff that ensues, but he meets, you know, wild Bill Hickok, general Custer uh, has tons of adventures, winds up, you know, going in and out of Indian society as they are declining through the expanse of the white man through the West. It's a fun, fun movie. Little Big Man. I'm with you. I love that movie. But that movie is so out of step <laughs> with the modern <laughs> times that you can almost get canceled for just doing the summary. <laughs> yeah, this this is true. You know, there's there's a lot, you know, there's a, there's a lot, you know, with, with the... Um, and I guess you could say the the indigenous Native Americans, you know, instead of Indians. I know that's kind of a, a not of the word. And, you know, there's no, but that was so a very accurate description of the plot. I'm just but saying. It really was. I mean, it's, and, and you think about it, it really 
Yeah, and I was thinking about it today. I was thinking like, well, Dustin Hoffman. It's and that movie is kind of like Forrest Gump 1.0. You know, he's just guy. He's not really super bright, but he has this amazing life, and he just goes through and rolls with it. All of the all of the crazy things that happen. You know, his his crazy relationship with the preacher and Faye Dunaway, him as a snake oil salesman. You know, making contact again with this, you know, with his sister who had, you know, fled during the the time at the Indian encampment, um, a relationship with another Indian that he had always kind of foiled. I mean, it's just so much fun. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's not PC like in like no, but yeah, but I yeah, but I, but I co-sign it is you're keeping it hundred. It's a good movie. Yeah, be aware it is a 1970 movie, but it's really great. <laughs> Yeah, and, and we, we've talked about the 70s and 80s and revisiting some of this stuff, right? I, I pitched, what was it, a French Connection a couple weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I guess I'm up next. And speaking of uh, revisiting something, you know, it's been a while since I've dropped some Trek into the nerdverse. And despite some somewhat threatening memes posted recently on the website or on our Facebook page, this is a perfect time to talk about Season 2 of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, so Season 2 has launched on Paramount Plus now. Um, you know, I know I've thrown this in the ring before during Season 1. I praised the voice cast then. I just want to give a big Vulcan salute to the show's writers this time. It just amazes me how much they incorporate into so from Trek lore into their episodes, as silly and crazy as they are. There's blaring homages to subtle fan nods. Um, in the first two episodes, we get nods back to the third episode of the original series, uh, talking about Gary Mitchell and Strange Energies. And then by the second episode, they're talking about Riker's um, uh, what transporter clone from TNG. So all those little things are there. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about Trek is the fact that they do bring things back, and Lower Deck Season 2 is bringing that in spades. And that's why it's this week's Keep You to 100. Not mentioning for- names about threatening memes. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten the rocker clone thing. <laughs> yes. There's some dodgy stuff on TNG, too. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm up last. <clears throat> All right. Let's let's uh let's stay in the non PC world and go back to 1968. <laughs> and, I, and I am and I am showcasing the original Italian job. This is not the one with Marky Mark and Charlize Theron. <clears throat> this is starring Michael Caine and a bunch of people <laughs> I had no idea who they were. Um, by the way, Michael Caine, when that dude was young, he was already old. He had an old <laughs> face. I mean, he just always did. Um. But it's a it's a fun weird romp. I mean, the characters are just bonkers. The uh, the mastermind in prison, like the whole thing, doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think his name is Bridger. Ah, I don't <laughs> don't know why he got all the credit. The action scenes are wild. The car chases are. I mean, it's like a thirty minute car chase into the movie in Mini Coopers, and it's it's worth it's worth your time. I think it's like a ninety minute movie. Um. Once again, um, not PC, um, not, you know, <laughs> you think Michael Caine's already old, he might get canceled for this kind of thing if he made it now. But what? But watching Michael Caine playing this young, swinging ex-con gangster pull off a heist during a soccer match between England and Italy in downtown Rome, 
in Mini Coopers and oddly chosen police vehicles is worth your time. The music is strange. It is weird 60s, like, weirdness. I mean, I don't even know how to describe what genre it is. It's weird. The ending is worth talking about. I would almost pick it in a draft for the show because of how weird the ending is. And it's available for free on Amazon Prime. So the Italian job is my keeping at 100. Oh, Jamie. Love it, love it. You, you had me at England in football match. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's, it's so wild. I, can, I couldn't do the full plot recap. There's a couple of real, <laughs> real inappropriate things. <laughs> Hey, there, there was a time when, when nobody worried about that stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. Like, the Italian mob has, like, superpowers in this weird heist movie. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. So, so, Jamie, you're digging through the back catalog, aren't you? Like A little you're, bit. You're looking for some older movies. Because I know you, what was the, the Hitchcock movie and now this. So that's cool, though. I, I love sometimes going back through some of that stuff. Well, and French Connection. I think I think what it is, is I think that um, some of that, uh, I forget who Amazon bought. Who did Bezos buy? No, was Paramount, it, didn't he? Par- no, I don't think it was Paramount. Paramount Plus is still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, whoever they bought, I think they're starting to put some of those movies on Prime now. Because every time I go on to like movies we think you'll like, it's like a, tw- it's like a row of 20 movies from the 1970s. Love it. So, I just I just keep after my login to Prime. It's like I I've never seen that. That's that's how I watched French Connection. Never seen that. And uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think Chinatown keeps popping up now. I'm like I may watch Chinatown next. So cool, cool. I, I've got these weird holes from the 60s and 70s, and so they and they <laughs> and Bezos keeps telling me I need to watch them. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> gonna listen to Jeff there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about a movie that we did watch this past week, uh, Kung Fu Panda 2008. We've already talked a little bit about. So, Sammy, you're leading us out the gate with opening thoughts and grades. All right. You know, this was a little tough at first, and I really felt like I had to boil this down to Kung Fu Panda is an interesting mix of creation in this imaginative way and classic fairy tale fantasy types of tropes and really they all kind of bonded together with touchstones of chinese culture so um much like we talked about jack sparrow the idea of jack black voicing a giant panda who flat out digs kung fu that had to be a really interesting pitch uh flat out that that's a sales pitch that would be a weird one to kind of go with but despite the silliness of the concept i think there's a lot of heart in this movie There's some life lessons that I think we can glean from this. The idea of appreciating yourself, your own personal gifts. That's a key in this movie. But it's also the idea of not giving up, not giving up on your dreams, not giving up on yourself. So there's some emotional depth here that I think as an adult, you can appreciate. I mean, yeah, the kids crack up at the the, the jokes and such, but – you know, I, I think this is one of those movies that parents and children both can really enjoy because, you know, like I said, it's got this veneer of comedy animation, but there's some depth to it. Uh, so I went grade four with a uh, B plus. All right. Um, <clears throat> we, we talk about how we, you know, our, our theory of grades and how we, we, well, at least I do. I try anyway. I don't always succeed. Sorry, Flash Gordon. Um, but I, I try to I try to remember what a thing was trying to be. 
like, and I try to and try to keep in mind, like, how how good is this at being what it was attempting to be? Like, what genre is this? What the target audience? Like, how how do they achieve within the parameters? And I feel like what this is designed to be, this is an animated action movie. It was trying to appeal directly to kids, but also have some stuff there for parents. Not a kind of a Pixar attempt. There's a little bit of that feel. Um, it's got some inspirational messaging thrown in. And it's a good example of that sort of movie, right? Um, I'm going A minus. I feel like for this genre, for this, for the, what they were attempting to be, I feel like they pretty much executed it. It's it's a it's a good example of this genre. Awesome. Yeah, you guys have exactly expressed what I've been struggling with all week, <laughs> and have not really found the words. You know, what is this movie trying to be? Because it's so many things. You know, it's funny, it's action field, it's kind of got some insight, um, you know, but you also have this, you know, this crazy, clumsy, super fan, uh, you know, comedic character. Um, but all of this is woven together so well. And I really struggle with the grade because I'm like, well, this movie, it really exceeds in a lot of areas. But it's just, I don't know, there's just something not quite realized fully yet. But it's so much fun and it's so great. I'm I'm so glad that it's in the you know B plus A minus range because it's exactly where I landed was the B plus. Uh, it's really really well executed, really excellently acted, animated, put together, uh, and you know, it does give you some some bits and pieces to to think about and dwell on. There's a little bit of depth there, you know. And I mean, come on, this is the Star Wars plot. You have an orphan raised by people. He winds up being more than he ever thought he could be, you know, and, you know, goes goes to study with the <clears throat> quote-unquote Jedi, you know, these kung fu masters. <laughs> so I'm glad, of, I'm glad his adoptive dad got to live. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is true. Yeah, at least, uh, at least uh, that was some happiness that happened there. So, uh, but, but on the upside, this adopted dad would taste a good if he had got burned. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, as uh, as Sam's going to get the uh, <clears throat> duck sauce, uh, I think we need to go ahead and move on into our fan section <laughs> with this. <laughs> Jamie. All right. Um, and Sammy already, Sammy already stole my, my fan. Um, I love the message of this movie. And I mean, this, this isn't like, I, I gave it an A minus because I think it's a good movie for what it wanted to be. Um, this isn't on my Mount Rushmore. It's not. It's not on the short list. I mean, this isn't a movie that's like beloved by me because I wasn't its audience, right? So as I watched this as a dad, and I'm, especially when I watched this when my kids were, were really young, I love the message of this movie. You know, that it, it's okay to have big dreams and aspirations, but I also love how it shows that playing out, right? It's not just you dream big and then like the universe hands things to you. Um, it shows that like you know. It's okay to you know to dream big, but you've got to work hard. I mean, Poe works hard in this movie. He trains. He works hard. Um, so he and he was given an opportunity. And when he was given that opportunity, he seized it. He worked hard. He jumped through all the hoops. He sought out mentors. Um, he was willing to learn from others, and he never gave up. And I, I love that inspirational you know message and having a role model for him there. And so I just I love the way that was assembled. So because it it doesn't always work that way. They don't always show the hard work. There's the steps skipped. A lot of times in that this kind of movie, but they don't they don't do that. Yeah, yeah, they really show the struggle, you know, and his 
clumsiness and his not being able to fit in and <clears throat> and how that is his almost strength at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winds up being uh, <clears throat> I love that. I love that fan Jamie great. Uh mine I, I knew you guys would go with, you know, some deeper things here. So my fan is I'm going to go with just how well this movie sucks you into the environment. You know, it sucks you into its world. You know, you, you so visually beautiful and stunning. I know Sam mentioned Pixar earlier, you know, this is DreamWorks production. Some of your you know, studios can be kind of hit and miss sometimes, but they knocked it out of the park with this, you know, the environments, the, the, the even the way the colors tell the story and the music, weaving throughout it so you know it's that little pen flute whimsical recorder kind of thing that just lifts you and brings you in and you have the bombastic drums at times you know during the uh the really intense scenes of the of the fighting or the breakout of the prison uh i i just love the way that this movie sucks you into its world uh you know that's it yeah and it's it's the visuals and the uh, the audio stuff. I mean, it's, the, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it, what it's, I it's an immersive the music. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's really they really you know hit it out of the park with the you know the, the ambience, the colors, the visuals, the the environments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, the, the the fan was easy for me on this. This is a nerd does good type of story, and I'm always down for that. I mean, Poe is flat out a nerd. He collects action figures. He has posters. He is totally geeking out on the Furious Five. And I love that about him, right? I mean, and I've said it again and again. Give me a nerdy character. I'm totally in with it. And I really think Poe fits that. I love the the nerdy aspect of this character. I think that you can attach yourself to, to certain aspects, you know, and, and like I said, it's a nerd does good, man. And so I'm always up for those stories. It's kind of like a last starfighter, but like the last Kung Fu fighter or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Poe po is Alex, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just 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 they have no idea what to do with him. And he has no idea what to do with himself, but he wants to be that hero. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I mean, think about it. He, he's... He's but like you said, the audience for this is children and how many children. I mean, when we all were little, I mean, it was a towel tied around our neck and that was a cape. You, mm-hmm. do, you didn't need anything else. You needed a little domino mask and you could be anybody. And, and Poe is kind of that character realized in, in, in a giant panda. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's go to Mr. Ping's kitchen and get some of those pans that the noodles were in. See if we can add our own secret ingredient. Oh, this is our pan section. There is no secret ingredient. Oh! (laughs) The secret ingredient was love. (laughs) Um, Or. (laughs) Sorry, I got back. It's it's fine. (laughs) Well. My pain, and I know we've we've talked about you know how how great this movie is, and, and there's so much good in it. The story is so well told, the environments, the characters, the actors. <clears throat> My biggest pain is a part that was really kind of needed for this movie, but I'm really going to miss him. The death of Ugwe. 
no more Uguay. I need more Uguay in my life. You know, but but that sacrifice makes his character and this movie even more powerful because we understand we're not in control. You know, like Shifu's always trying to hold that control tight. We just have to roll with it. And I love that viewpoint. And I love that character. He's just this odd, crazy little turtle standing on a stick when we first meet him. And we don't know if he's upside down or right side up or what, but he he's really just and, and even through the rest of the series, he's just the heart and soul. Yep. Part of me wishes that uh, he had had four rats to raise and they were teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> just just a little nod, right? Yeah. <laughs> Flip the script a little bit. Been hilarious. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess a pan for me, and, and I, I don't know how anybody else feels about this. You know, I know a lot of this is played for comedy, and a lot of the comedy I get. The only thing I have a problem with is almost body shaming, though, for Poe. I get a little, a little, you know, kind of taken away from that. You know, Poe's played for laughs. I get it. He's a naive character. I mean, he doesn't have any really true skill in martial arts. But the constant comments about him being overweight and him like that. I just, I just don't dig that. So I really think they could have stuck to, uh, you know, like I said, the, 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 the lack of skill and the clumsiness as opposed to talking about the, you know, them calling him fat. I just didn't appreciate that. And I just think that that that's the lowest common denominator of, of humor in a lot of yeah. ways in children's animation. That tends to be the, the, the lowest common denominator that you see a lot is people making fun of the, you know, the overweight kid. And that, that like I said, I don't like that part. But other than that, I mean, I get it. I think I think that they expect a little bit of a pass because we've all watched the internet videos of pandas being clumsy and falling around and they're rolling on their habitats. Yeah. So I, so I think they're like, they're not, they won't be seen as body shaming, it'll just be like panda shaming. <laughs> so i think yeah but like but like there was a i did cringe even even though they are pandas and pandas are tubby and roll around or whatever just the kind of animals they are um i the the moment where they're talking about him not being able to see his toes and him like moving his belly to look for his toes i'm like even that one i'm like i was i was giving them the panda pass but like i was still like ooh, that's a little rough yeah well maybe those are the things that got me yeah, I guess yeah. We, maybe even in 2008, we're not as woke as we could have been, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about throwing shit at my 1970 movie over here. <laughs> Dude, I followed it up with the Italian job. With 1968, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie said, I see you're 1970 and double down. <laughs> I couldn't even describe some of the plot from that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I'm last on pan, and... Um, this feels like it wanted to be like kind of a Shrek kind of movie at times, but they learned some of the lessons of like Shrek and the Aladdin movies, like the, the super topical like references of the day. There's none of that in here, so this lets it be kind of a timeless movie in that sense. Like, I mean, if we didn't know, if IMDb didn't tell us, like, would, would you really be able to guess when this movie was made? Uh, so I think it'll last longer that way. Except <laughs> there's one voice actor who pulls me out of the movie. Seth Rogen as the mantis guy does not work for me. And I, every time he says something, I picture Seth Rogen. I, I can't, I think the mantis just fades away and I'm just seeing Seth Rogen. It ruins every scene he speaks in. Hey, I, I heard a podcast the other day. They, they were fan casting who they thought should be fanta- in the fantastic four. 
And they said Seth Rogen should be the voice of the thing. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I filed an internet restraining order for that. <laughs> I'm I'm not a, I'm not totally against that. That could no. almost work. <laughs> <laughs> no. Have you seen the Green Hornet? No, no. Yes. <laughs> I have seen the Green Hornet. That's why. Watch it. You retract your statement. <laughs> All right. Well, something I'm feeling we're not going to give Green Hornet, but we need to give this movie some awards. Let's move on to our award section, guys. And I am first up with best performance. And really, I struggle because there's so many great voice actors in this movie. There's such a great, thick cast. I mean, you have Angelina Jolie, Jackie Chan. Who would ever put Jackie Chan as a voice actor? Come on, guys. But, you know, Lucy Liu, Seth Rogen, Jamie, David Cross, Wayne Knight, Kyle Gass, as I already mentioned you know, Dustin Hoffman, but I really think Jack Black knocked it out of the park as Poe, you know, being the heart and soul of this movie, uh, you know, being the super fan that he is, uh, just, you really feel the enthusiasm that Poe has and it's infectious, I think. And he done a great job of conveying that. We're on the same page. I'm co-signing all your stuff tonight. Um, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I I I wouldn't get mad at anybody who said Dustin Hoffman. I think I think he does a great performance here. But like I think Jack Black. I mean, he just. I mean, the, the, this movie really kind of lived or died with his with his voice performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of revolved. I mean, he's the title character, but also like I mean, the it just the movie revolves around him. And if that character doesn't work, the rest of it does not gonna is it's just not gonna matter. And he absolutely nailed it. I mean, he nailed the 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 single you know, the, the, the little kid you know who's struggling find his place in the world and fr- you know, frustrated with what his life, you know, seems like it's, you know, laying out before him. And, you know, he, I mean, you absolutely identify with him. I mean, I, we're all, we're all on a podcast called nerds around table. We identify with him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also like the, the moments when he's, you know, frustrated, when he's sad and uh, when he's disappointed, when he's in, you know, in emotional pain, when he's, you know, eating his feelings everywhere. I mean, I mean, Jack Black really gets that across with just the vocal performance because he, he's very he's a very physical actor. And so for him to just do this with his voice, I mean, yeah. it, it's an impressive thing. So, all right, nice. so Sammy, you can, you can say that's an Hoffman now. All right. I swerved on this one, gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I, I swerved on this one because now that I've been introduced to certain movies by, by, by you know, kind of doing this podcast with you guys – I had to go with the immortal low pan himself, James Hong, as Mr. Ping (laughs) Poe's dad. I know I was joking about, you know, the the goose the other moment ago. But, I mean, look at this guy's IMDb credits. He's voicing a noodle cooking goose in this. He needs a good (laughs) performance. He's got to have this. But, But beyond that, I think that it's that relationship between him and Poe. 
that plays the juxtaposition between Shifu and Tai Lung. It's that juxtaposition of father figures. And I just, I, I like that, that concept. I would have yes. bet dollars to donuts that you were going to go with Dustin Hoffman. I thought, I, I thought I had that nailed. <laughs> I, I knew me and Dwayne were, were going to say Jack Black, but <laughs> hey. I went with the wrong swerve. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Sammy, Sammy. All right. Best scene. I mean, hands down, Talung escaping from uh, a Chorgon prison. That is so dynamic. And, and I mean, Ian McShane brings such a bad butt snow leopard to life there, people. Uh, he's frightening. He's powerful. He's somewhat sympathetic. But then you get into that scene and the use of color, the movement, uh, the balance of action, suspense. It works so well. Then you put all of the rhinoceros guards in there and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it's just, that scene's just so much fun, but it's also so dynamic to see how Talung escapes and all the little things he does, you know, from picking the locks to, you know, how he gets out of the pit. I mean, all that's just so cool. I loved that part. I'm going to jump in again because I'm co-signing everybody's stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I'll dial into two specific things I love about that scene. There's something about if you can make Michael Clark Duncan scared, like that automatically makes it intimidating, right? I mean, if Michael Clark Duncan is cringing, you can hear his voice. Like you, mm-hmm. you did it. Like this is this is a bad person. This is a bad dude. Uh, but there's the but the for me the the visual thing that worked the most was when he was leaping up to escape, mm-hmm. and they were shooting like the the whole wall of arrows coming down, and that, that almost like Spider Verse leap upward under the rock. I mean, it's just a it's just a powerful imagery there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that was a really, really great action scene. But guys, come on. We're all nerds here. It's Poe in the trophy hall. It's the sword of destiny. It's the jar of the warrior's whispers or whatever. And it's, you know, he's going through and it's distant. It's that it's the invisible. You know, it's so sharp. It, Oh, you know, and he doesn't even touch it. He cuts him, you know, and, and all of the things. And he knows all of the lore. He knows all the history. He's just that super fan. How many times do we go to cons or comic shops, you know, little things, and, and we just geek out over, oh, oh, it's the snow speeder. Oh, oh, look, it's the Spartan helmet. You know, oh, oh my gosh, just look at this. Look at this, you know, game, yep. GameCube from not the, you know, whatever. It, yeah, I, I just love that scene. And like I was talking earlier, you know, with Jack Black's enthusiasm and you know, you're talking about the clumsiness and how he's just so, I mean, I mean, that's like me in any museum. So I'm, I'm looking at all this beautiful stuff, but, I, but I'm going to knock something over somewhere, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just love him going through the little trophy room. Yeah. I, I always intend to be dignified at moments like that. And I always fail. Yeah. Entirely. <laughs> yeah. Entirely. Yep. Every yeah. time. <laughs> well, I'm up on the ne- first on the next award, the best character, and I'm I'm still I'm just cursing on everybody's stuff. So I'm I'm getting on Dwayne's bandwagon, and I love Master Shifu. I'm going with the teachers. I I want I wanted to pick Ugwe too, but I I love Master Shifu. I just the because he's got a, he's got his own character arc in here too. Mm-hmm. Because um, we learned in the past that he he, he blew it training Tai Lung. That he, you know, he, he forced his own ambitions and his own failures and frustrations onto 
his adopted son and kind of you know ruined him um messed up messed up his son's life ambitions and then he won't accept poe because he had you know in, in bitter in a, in a bitter way tried to pass it on to the furious five that didn't work either and now he's taking it all on poe and then by the end he has to embrace the fact that you know <laughs> this panda that can't can't touch his own toes you know um is is the is the dragon warrior right that he's the one and he has to embrace yeah. that um so I, it's a fun character arc and it is a great vocal performance by dustin hoffman Exactly, exactly, exactly. Master Shifu, Jamie, I'm ordering what you had with two sides. Uh, so I'll, I'll exactly what you said. You know, his his arc. You know, he he has to feel in control. He he wants to just control everything, and he he has to work through that and see his shortcomings, and not cling to those. You know, he has to forgive himself and be accepting. And that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful story arc. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sammy, what's your wrong answer? Oh, of, of course. This is <laughs> best character. This is where Poe comes in. <laughs> yeah. This is where Poe finally comes in. So we, we divided and conquered already. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, like I said, as a character, you guys are right. Poe is the, who carries the story. If Poe doesn't work, the story doesn't work. Um, if Poe isn't the central character that that we can just completely empathize with, this it, movie isn't going to work. The and I just loved the the concept of perseverance. You know that is something that I think is a it's a life lesson for all of us because you know we do get knocked down, not maybe that many steps, but we do get knocked down. <laughs> and, well, my song started in my head when you said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, that or I always think of, you know, why do we fall? So we learn to pick ourselves up. But um, so we get this idea of, of he has to persevere through all this, you know, e- even the lack of belief in his own self, you know, and sometimes that's our worst enemy, hands down, is our own selves. So and it really Jack Black does kind of dial back the Jack Blackness in this movie in terms of characterization. So I, I just think it works really well. Yeah. I, I think well, to, to back you up. I think one of the most surprising and effective character moments in the movie is because you know he's all in and she was training him. It's working great. They find out how long has escaped and he's uh, he's bailing. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what the hero's supposed to do, you know. Yeah. And that's not that's not the path that we thought Poe was on. So I, I yeah I just he's it's a it's a good it's a good character. It's a good character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're not as wrong as I thought you were going to be. But uh, <clears throat> you know, you were, you were talking about some of these little bits of wisdom, these little drops that uh, Shifu and especially Oogway dropped throughout the movie. Let's go to best quote, and I'm up with that. But I'm not going to go to one of these, you know, enlightening pieces. Early, early in the uh, movie, Poe's having a dream. He claims it's the noodle dream, <clears throat> but in the dream, he utters a line. There's no charge for awesomeness <laughs> or attractiveness. <laughs> I love it. Well, I can yeah. scratch that off my list. I had the entire opening monologue as one of my quotes. <laughs> that was on my short yeah. list also. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that whole opening monologue, you know, could could be in there. But you know, when he legend when he tales of a legendary warrior whose kung fu yeah. skills were the stuff of legend. legend. Yeah, how many times did you use legend in a in an intro? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when it culminates in that, you know, there's no charge for awesomeness. So 
Or attractiveness. <laughs> oh, gosh. What's so funny is all three of us picked that one out. It's also it's back up. Love it. <laughs> all right, Jamie, do you, you want to want to go with this one, or do you want me to? Okay, I'll 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 say my number one, and then if you don't pick my number two, then I'll, I'll okay. mention it. Okay, I'm going. I'm be Captain Obvious. I'm going with Uguay um, when he's talking with Poe, and Poe's talking about maybe he should just quit and go back to making noodles. And Uguay says, quit, don't quit. Noodles, don't noodles. You are too concerned about what was and what will be. There is a saying, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Oh, two for two, gentlemen. You took both of mine. <laughs> <laughs> you should have went. I know, I know. I almost, I almost did just because. But, you know, I, I don't have another one, but I, I'll just back up, Jamie, on that one. You know, and it's not just a line yet. It's, it's a wonderfully beautiful piece of wisdom. But it's the way Ugwe is animated when he gives that line. There's just something really special about that. And there's something a little comical. And, we, and when he comes, almost like a punchline. That's why it's called the present. <laughs> you know, and he kind of gives this little half smile. You know, that, that scene just stands out. You know, for sure. That quote's great. Uh, my backup, and I'll just so so, so we can have three because I'm OCD and we have to have symmetry. There have to be three choices. Um, isn't it's another Uguay. Um I like at the very beginning when he tells them that you know talking about how long he says, and so they um, so he he like like Shifu Shifu sends the uh, I think it's another duck. I don't know. Yeah, sends, sends the the winged beast to go tell him to check on Tai Lung, and uh, and Uguay, you know just just casually. And Riley just drops the whole thing in, like saying, hey, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. And he says, when off meets his destiny, on the road he takes to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's a good line, but it's also a nice little plot point there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that works really well. Yeah. I like that. So here we go. All right, guys. Uh, we're doing something new. We're, we're, we're trying an experiment this week. And so um, we have dropped our last two awards, and we're going to replace them for maybe one week only. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> with our thematic draft. And so we're going to do a little round robin and pick the top martial arts movies of all time. And if anybody... Um, <laughs> Does it watch the sports ball? This is basically a sports ball draft. So, <laughs> so yes, he had to explain it to me a few times. <laughs> <laughs> we eventually we did we did a mock draft. Right. If anybody plays fantasy call. football and listens to our podcast, that that meant, meant something to him. Um, but you know, so so this is this is a I don't know. Is this the best animated martial arts movie of all time? Maybe I don't know. Um. But yeah, it's like I mean, martial arts movies, especially like in the seventies and the eighties. There's some real unfortunate ones in the eighties, were are, were a big deal, um, and they're not as big a deal as they used to be. We still get you know a fair share of them, but so we're gonna go. Um, we didn't decide on a draft order, uh, Dwayne. This was your choice. 
to go do Kung Fu Panda. So we'll, we'll give we'll give you the top pick in the draft. Sammy, you can go sick it, and I'll I'll ride drag on this herd. So. Alrighty, guys. Well, I'm going to lead off with a great matchup. There, two there's martial a, there's a right arts answer here. legends. You better get it right. Yeah, well, we have two martial arts legends here. <laughs> the Way of the Dragon. Bruce Lee versus Chuck Norris. So close. Way of the Dragon. <laughs> so close. Wrong Bruce Lee movie. It's a good one, though. There's there's a few to choose from. So <laughs> It's a good one. It's, it, that's probably my third favorite Bruce Lee movie. So. Yeah. Just, just that iconic pairing off of those two. My favorite part of that movie is that Bruce Lee actually broke Chuck Norris's hand in the fight at the end. Yeah. My favorite part of that movie is that Bruce Lee actually pulls out Chuck Norris's chest hair as, a, an, a, as an attack <laughs> move. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> All right. Sammy, what is, what is your first pick of the first? Uh, your First All pick right. of the first round. So, obviously, I have to go with the martial arts movie that brought me into the need for ninja skills. And that is 1985's American Ninja with Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> I Wait, this is your first pick on this? Yes. I can't wait to see his other two. It only goes down from here, gentlemen. No, it can't go down from there. <laughs> yes, it can. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Okay, anyway. Um, I, I came prepared to make fun of you. I didn't think it'd be that bad. Anyway. Target. I, I, I'm teeing them up here for you, man. <laughs> I can't believe I, I volunteered to go third and I still get to pick Enter the Dragon, the mm-hmm. greatest martial arts movie of all time. That's probably, picks, the right, that's probably the right answer, but I just had to go with the with the Lee versus Norris. But you enter, enter the Dragon is such an iconic movie. That's where Bruce Lee is going through the gauntlet. It's like he's he's leveling up, you know, as, as he goes to face face the big boss, you know. Yeah, and you've and you've got the epic fight at the end of the mirrors and all that stuff, and you've yeah. got the the American got, spy who's there. You got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, no, that's not this <laughs> one. No, that's, I think that's the Game of Death. You sure? Yeah, Enter the Dragon's the uh, the one on the island. Well, They're both good. Turn, okay, so let's go. I'm going to turn this my card because I've never seen Enter the Dragon. I've only seen the T-shirt. <laughs> Anyway, we can go back to, to you and you can pick Game of Death, I guess. Sammy's <laughs> about to get the way of the fist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I'm going away from Bruce Lee now to another Lee. And um, I, I didn't get the date of this movie, but quite a few years ago, a movie was imported from China and tells about a Chinese legend, uh, a nameless man who come to assassinate the emperor. I love the way that this movie is filmed, the way that colors are used, the way that storytelling is used, but hero starring Jet Li. <laughs> I love Not this movie. Me. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, I was wondering, I was going to ask, you know, have, have, so no one had picked first round. No one had picked any, any of anybody else's picks. So I got you on this one, but hero Jet Li. I mean, it's a masterpiece of storytelling. 
One of the most beautiful movies of all time. Uh, one of the most beautiful Just movies visually ever. Visually striking. Yeah. And then as the story unfolds and use the different colors to tell the different aspects of the story as the Emperor's figuring it out. Oh my gosh, this floors me. Nice. Scratch nice. that off my breadboard. All right, Sammy, so, so, what, so what piece of garbage two, do you have for your second? Number pick? two, I can't believe anybody picked this. Well, he did say number two. My number two. I mean, come on. If American Ninja wanted me to be a ninja, Karate Kid got me to take karate lessons. I even have a little drum from part two. So 1984's Karate Kid has to be my number two. No shade. I love that movie. He's not wrong. Yeah. That should have no. been your first pick, though. It should have been. <laughs> maybe maybe be you should have lived with that. It was, it was, it was memorable. I'm on the list, but I thought American Ninja would get a better reaction, so I went with it. <laughs> Is disgust the reaction you were going for? <laughs> Decisions were made. All right. Well, I, I followed the Dwayne rule, and I took uh, – I only picked one Bruce Lee movie because I didn't want to just pick three Bruce Lee movies. Because that would have been the right answer, technically. But So, Enter the Dragon was my representative Bruce Lee movie. My Jet Li movie was going to be Heroes. I'm going to go with a different Jet Li movie. And it's one that I think is underrated. And um, it's actually a sci-fi uh, martial arts movie. The One. Yeah. It, the, the action is, I mean, the choreography is crazy. I mean, it's, it's wild. I, I love that movie. I think it's Jet Li at, at maybe his peak. is like a physical prowess. And it's a sci-fi movie. It's a sci-fi movie with amazing kung fu in it. Yeah, now this is about the multiverse, isn't it? There's yeah. someone that's going around and, and, distru- and killing um, all of the different versions of people from the different universes. And as they do, they the Power one up. who remains kind of gets more powerful. He gets stronger. So, yeah, and as, as the stakes get higher, the action gets better. I remember this movie. It's a great movie. Oh, yeah. Jet Li fighting Jet Li. It's awesome. Yeah, a ton of fun. Sammy, so have you pa- seen that, that one? No, but that, oh, that power up that power up thing reminds me of Highlander, though. So <laughs> there can be only one, the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is more fun than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't think we're doing this just once now. <laughs> yeah, this is a ton of fun. Well, right, I'm, I'm going to go up last on the third round here, and I had to go with a little bit of nostalgia for this one. I know it's Don't not you do a, it to me again. I know it's not great. I know it's not, you know, an amazing one. But from 1985, there was a little movie that caught my imagination. Show sure enough, it's The Last Dragon. No! <laughs> no, I almost picked it last round. I knew nobody would pick it. Oh, no. <laughs> this movie, man, I mean, you've got Bruce Leroy. <laughs> Show sure enough. You know, Leroy, Bruce Leroy Green, show the glow. <laughs> the glow. Yeah, you got to get the glow. <laughs> I love this. 11-year-old me was infatuated with this movie. It was just the greatest thing ever on TV. <laughs> yeah. And any time it come on TBS, I mean, it was it was a great Sunday morning. <laughs> Shoot. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I thought I could say that for last and still get it. <laughs> oh goodness! You, you, you know I'm kind of hurt. Nobody's picking mine. <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> hey, I might, I might as well finish out this round, guys. 
1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) I think you put these in the wrong order. Of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that probably was the best, including the new, the most recent ones. (laughs) I think that's a good movie. It's great. I'll defend it. Yeah. I don't know. Go turtle, go turtle, go. I mean, come on, that's and, the second. No, no, that's the sequel. That, no, that just, didn't happen. And anybody that can do kung fu in those costumes, they've got my. They've there got you my go. Score. Extra level of difficulty. <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. Well, guys, that was a ton of fun. I get draft. another pig. Jay, you guys want to say you? Yeah, oh yeah, you do. Yeah, you were going last instead of third. It's a second. Man, I was so banking on the last dragon. <laughs> so mad at you. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to be the Keanu Homer and go the Matrix. Um, I mean, it's it is it's once again it's another sci-fi martial arts. I guess you know one of my sweet spots, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's such a. I mean, it was the first of its kind, right? I mean, everybody like for the next five years was trying to do the the wire foo stuff the way they did the wire foo because mm-hmm. it was a very different thing from what the way crouching tiger had done it and so yeah uh i mean bullet time's a great thing and <laughs> i mean keanu knows kung fu i mean it's it's a great movie period but the action is is I don't know, i'm still mad about the last dragon <laughs> <laughs> i can't even summon enthusiasm for the yeah. matrix well i mean speaking of the matrix i mean if you're going to pick a movie that changed cinema even the way Bruce Lee did, you know, with with his films, you know, The Matrix is the way to go. The way they they done the the, the wire foo, the the special effects, the bullet time is so amazing. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I see the hurt. I see the hurt on your face. If this was a video <laughs> podcast, you cut me deep. If this was a video podcast, our, our listeners would, our, and watchers would be crying right now at the hurt on Jamie's face. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but you know what? It just means we both got great taste. <laughs> 100%. I'm, 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 I'm impressed and angry at the same time. But this also means that we need to make a watch list for Sammy. I was going to say, what does this say about me? He had my taste. <laughs> we need to make a watch list for our boy over here. <laughs> we got to help him out. When you when you said show enough the first time, I thought my head was going to explode. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I almost went police academy just because of the you want to fight, fight me. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could mute your your own mic for you. <laughs> You're digging a hole for yourself, bro. <laughs> well, let's move on to uh, something that's already mentioned. And, and, and you know, Jamie, I, I snapped him on a couple of his picks, and Jamie really snapped me on my segue because, you know, Keanu connects to Kung Fu. He's, it was uploaded into his brain in 1999's The Matrix. Uh, great action movie, great actor, tons of fun. And he continues the action on with John Wick. So let's go ahead and see how Keanu connects to Kung Fu Panda. Show enough. <laughs> so bad. I'm gonna be mad for days. <laughs> anyway, let me get my game face on. Alright. This makes Keanu Connection got his first acting credit in 1962 in a movie about college students bonding and doing pranks. I refuse to say the name of the movie. <laughs> You'll have to look it up later. <laughs> too too many jokes will be made. Um he has done a lot of a, a lot of TV work in the ensuing years, including some cult classic sci-fi shows like Space 1999 and Babylon 5. 
It was also weirdly a bunch of music videos in the 80s, including a Grace Jones video and a Kim Carnes video. And not the Kim Carnes song you've heard of. <laughs> you mean there's another one? <laughs> yeah, there's another one. There's a whole other video that was in. He's also been in a ton of garbage. <laughs> Which you would have probably, if you had 143 acting credits to. Um, a lot of stuff has just been flung at the wall. But he's also a John Hamm type, who has really blossomed later in his career. His madman moment came when he was one of the leads in Hobo Max's Deadwood. That show was canceled, but is beloved. Since then, uh, <laughs> oh, I can't even read my own typing. Um, he's been kind of a Hollywood go-to to juice up reboots and sequels. So he was in Shrek the Third, <laughs> not even the first two. Uh, he was in Snow White and the Huntsman, Death Race, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, and the newest Hellboy. So if you need to reboot something, <laughs> you've got a sequel that you think's going to flop, grab Ian McShane. He played Tai Lung in Kung Fu Panda, but he has also been in all three John Wick movies. He was on the bandwagon from the beginning. So Ian McShane is this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> Kaboom. I love him. Yeah. I love yeah, he's he's he is one of those actors that you think, you know, come out of nowhere, but really when you look, he's been around forever. Like I said, 1962. Working steady. It's a lot yeah. of nonsense, yeah. but working it's, it's steady. It's a lot of yeah, I'm I'm looking at it uh, here. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot on here, and it's very diverse. He's uh, he's very diverse. So uh, he's he's got some. There's he's a got couple some his mama ain't proud of. <laughs> and, and you know, with with him especially in, in his later years, he brings such gravitas to a character. Uh, that voice, you know, he has such a just a fantastic voice for like a heavy kind of dark base characters, and it works so well there. So yeah. Well, guys, we've had our draft, we've had our Keanu connection, and we've had our pans, fans, and grades for this great movie, Kung Fu Panda. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it with us and uh, have even you know, got to revisit it and watch it with us. But as we continue our Jack Black month, who picked this next movie, guys? I don't remember. Was it Jamie right I there? Did. Okay, so why don't you tell us about what's coming up next on our Jack Black month? We're going to top the bonkersness of Kung Fu Panda with Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre! <laughs> How do you even describe Nacho Libre? Um, <laughs> he, he's a monk in love with a nun who finds his outlet through luchador wrestling. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I can't wait to get into this with you guys. This this is one of my gaps in my Jack Black fandom. You've As never much, seen Nacho? I've never seen Nacho Libre. So this is going to be a first watch for me. I'm really excited about it. I've got some friends who are some really, really huge fans of it. It's kind of been on my radar the last couple of years, but you know, with 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 life and, and just busyness and, and reviewing movies every week, it's just kind of you know, always shuffled to the side. But as, as, as we are getting ready to get into Nacho Libre, it is streaming for free on Netflix. And if you can find the search feature on Pluto, it's free there. Good luck. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there, but they don't make it easy, guys. Um, Prime, Voodoo, and Redbox is $2.99 rental, and Apple TV is a $3.99 rental. So you got to get that extra buck for the, uh, for the eye feature. So 
Jamie, as we get ready for Nacho Libre, what are we going to do? We're going to make sure our Lucha Romance still fit because we keep it nerdy.